0: Hey guys, before we get into this episode of The Adventure Jogger, I want to give a special shout out to listener Francis Motes. Franny, as you're known uh, by your running friends. Uh, Franny recently was having some headaches and uh, went to the doctor and they found some things. And now uh, Franny is in the hospital. And because of the coronavirus, you're in the hospital room by yourself. And you're probably feeling really lonely right now. And I know you listen to the podcast You're an ultra runner. you got some friends that are ultra runners. And I hear you're just a fantastic person. I want you to know you're absolutely not alone. Everybody listening to the Adventure Jogger today, uh, while you're out doing some miles, I want you to do those miles for Francis Motes. Franny, we are with you. We are behind you. We know you are tough as nails, Franny. I've seen your ultra sign-up results. uh, And you're going to beat this. And you're going to be back out on the trails. And we can't wait for that day. So we're running all of our miles Today, while we listen to the uh, Adventure Jogger, for Francis Motes, Franny, we hope you are better soon, and we are all behind you. <laughs> The Adventure Jogger, a podcast about trail and ultra running. Meet fascinating runners from the front, middle, and back of the pack, sharing inspiring and funny stories about life and running. Running should be fun, and so should running podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Pluckelman, and this is The Adventure Jogger. I love when I see runners that persevere, that are tough as nails. The guests that we have on this episode... Of The Adventure Jogger is absolutely tough as nails because if you look at her ultra sign-up results, you're going to see podiums on there. You're going to see first-place finishes and second-place finishes and third-place finishes. You're also going to see finishes at the middle of the pack because she doesn't give up. She's resilient. She's tough as nails. One of the beasts of the East from Cleveland, Ohio, on this episode of The Adventure Jogger, it's Lee Connor. Welcome, Lee hello thanks for having me It's great to have you on I, I know we've talked briefly here and there and our our yeah. circles have have crossed from time to time but I've never like gotten the Lee Connor story about because everyone has a unique way of finding this sport. This is not a sport where Sorry. you know the, that you just kind of stumble upon everyone kind of has an adventure, a journey to get into this craziness and I've never heard the Lee Connor story of how you found ultra running.
1: Oh yeah. I needed something a lot gentler <laughs> is, is what happened. Okay. So this starts at, I started smoking when I was 12. You, I was started, wait, wait. you started smoking or when you were 12 years old. Just, But only occasionally. But by the time that I was 15, I was completely addicted. Okay. Like by the time I started in the sophomore year of high school, there was nicotine withdrawal. If I couldn't smoke during school day, like that was the bad part of an in-school suspension day is you had six hours of no cigarettes which isn't withdrawal, withdrawal, but like by the time you got out of it, you're like, I need a cigarette. So I quit when I was about 25 because I was getting bronchitis from yeah. being a smoker. I would get sick in winter and I would, I would get coughs and wouldn't go away. And initially like I smoked my friends that didn't were like, you shouldn't smoke. I would be like, I'll race you a mile. If you win, I'll quit. Cause I was still like sporty and athletic. Like once in a while, I'd even go jogging. Yeah. Like to try to stay fit. So like not far, like two miles or something, but like, then I started and the doctors, like here's your inhaler till it gets worse what oh yeah you smoke here's your inhaler i'm like i don't need an inhaler so then i quit smoking but so i found boxing super fun because what i would do from the smoking is i would just go run until it hurt every single day after work which took like 20 minutes to completely wipe me out and then it hurt until the next and it would hurt right until the next day after work this kept me off cigarettes but then i ran into somebody i knew like in passing she's like oh i go to this gym Like we do boxing you should come do that i was like okay so I went to the boxing gym and I learned how to box. And I actually fought amateur like three times and I won two of them. What? And, and, yes. And then, yeah. So, but I was in the meantime trying to sort out my life. Like it wasn't just quitting smoking. Like I was, I had started, I'd almost finished a bachelor's, but then I'd put off actually finishing it out and getting things done. So then I finally started pulling things together. And the quitting smoking was on the list mm-hmm. of the things. Like I had to, I was going to get healthy, get a profession. Dentistry came as a surprise to me, but so... I went to dental school, like I I got cigarettes, but when I went to dental school, I moved cities and there wasn't a gym I liked and I got busy and I gave up the boxing, but I knew I needed at that point I'd gotten where I had to always have a sport. Yeah. I was kind of not feeling the boxing, I didn't have time, I didn't like the coach down there. I was sitting in a bar watching rugby on the television, which I didn't know what was. And this other woman at the bar is clearly actually is following the game. It's like, that is cool. That's a sport we need here. She goes, oh, I play for a club here. You should come to rugby practice. And then I played rugby for like nine years, resulting in three or four concussions, a couple shoulder separations, torn ligaments in both ankles, no ACL on my left knee anymore, never even had the reconstruction. My left leg is actually a little smaller on the quad because I never had the ACL replaced on yeah. this knee. It's just not there. Um, two meniscus tears, some broken fingers, hyperextended elbow, a tear in that cartilage. So I didn't play any more rugby. So then. I stopped playing when I was playing touring and I moved back to, I moved back up to Cleveland. I was playing for a couple clubs here and then one club that I liked fell apart. I'd gotten so beat up from it. I was like, no, I had one real bad concussion and I was like, no, there's enough of this. I'm, I'm just, I love it. But, and another girl I played with was like, oh, hey, they're starting this roller derby team in Cleveland. You should come to the meeting with me. I was like, no, because I'm not, first of all, this is now I'm the most feminine I've been in my life. But now I'm not going to roller derby. First of all, I don't have roller skates. Second of all, I'm not wearing a damn skirt. So she was like, well, I'm going to have some drinks at this bar near the meeting before the meeting, you know, to get up the nerve. So want to come to the bar with me? Yeah. So I went to the roller derby meeting and there were hot girls. And I was like, ah, I'm going to do roller derby. I was, to- <laughs> I a I was like, oh, this is perfect. Whole new circle of people. Cause so then, I was doing the roller derby, but you know, team sports can be very tiring and wearing. And also, it's actually also an impactful sport. And a girlfriend of mine was like, "Oh, I want to go to this women's trail running thing. They're doing this trail running. The intro to trail running. You like hiking? Come to the trail running." I'm like, at the time, I jogged eight or eight to ten miles a week, usually, to try to stay fit. Yeah. I had never tried to run more than five miles in a row in my life. I figured I could make it six or seven. So I go, and this is like. Late two thousand nine, I go. I'm like Saturdays my sleep day. I go meets women, and like forty five minutes, almost an hour goes by of jogging, mostly jogging, walking up spills in the woods, and it's not boring. Running's boring, usually. Yeah. like running far just fucking boring. So I, I'm doing this thing, and it's fun, and they're nice, and they're like, oh yeah, we're going for beer now. I'm like oh, so we just run around in the woods, and then we go have some beer, and food. All right, sure. I mean, the roller was starting to not work as well for me. It is big team group sports, like things. And it's good. It was like high school. I did four years. Super glad I did it. But four years was enough. Is So then, so then I'm in this group and th- there's a couple girls like, Oh, we're going to do this long race. We're going to do this 15 K. And I'm like f- f- 15 kilometer. How much is that? That's almost 10 miles. I was like, ah, but this one girl, I'll never forget this. She wasn't even that strong a runner. She says, Oh, well, I'm doing the 15K, but it might be too much for you and too soon. You, you can just do the 8K. And usually that technique does not work on me, and I don't even think he meant it as a technique. But holy shit, I was like, oh, it's on. It's on. That's it. I'm doing 15K. And I was actually nervous. This is February 2010. I was like, I don't know if I can run 10 miles and I think I can. Ah, I'm, not, I'm not actually totally sure. I could finish the whole thing without dying and signed up for a 25K, which almost killed me because I could only go 13 miles. My long run was up to 12 miles. And oh my God, I remember the last two or three miles of this 15K, I thought I was gonna die. It wasn't even hilly compared to what I do now, but oh, it was horrible. Like I was just staggeringly, miserably exhausted. I could barely run. So my next 25K, I didn't take off like a bat out of hell at the start, and then it went good. But then what happened was the same girl signed up for a 50K and was like, oh, it's probably too soon to do it your first year, (laughs) like oh. Not only am I doing it, but I'm going to beat you. I'm going to beat you. And then I did, and I thought I was gonna die. I was like delirious, my first 50K. Like the last five or six miles, I was delirious. I couldn't walk right for three days. It took me two or three weeks to recover. Now I'll run hundreds a couple weeks apart, but it took me a couple weeks to recover back to able to jog after my first 50K. Oh my God, but then I signed up for more. As soon as I was like partway recovered, I was like, ooh, more, let's do some more. And I did like six of them, and then I found a 40 miler. And then my third 50K, yeah. If you placed first through third, you got a free bid the next year oh. to the 100K 100 mile. Oh, wow. Or you could back out. Well. So I went to 100K. Yeah. So then I was I was scared about that. And then I signed up for Mountain Masochist 50 miler because I figured it would be good practice. And then, so, yeah. And then things just kept escalating and escalating and <laughs> escalating. And <laughs> it, was all, it all makes sense like each individual thing that caused me to keep escalating makes perfect sense kind of but yeah yeah and
0: yeah okay quick recap for everybody cuz that was a, that, that was at the speed of light you start smoking at 15 a whole lot of things happen in the middle and then you start winning hundred milers but the rugby the, the the roller derby you had what that is that is probably the most intense running journey of uh, that i've ever heard from anyone lee
1: well it yeah well I, but i never i never um got addicted to any drugs
0: no no because you found all these other things to get addicted to like to think
1: the think well yeah like, you're right Nick. there's a lot of people i've met some folks that came to running from like meth
0: right or like
1: heroin addiction right ultra is good for all kinds of things
0: yeah that's that's for surely that's you know, I don't know
1: people, it seems like a lot of people either either they've got like anxiety and depression or history or addiction or eating disorder like the number of us the number of people i meet who are like kind of embarrassed because they're new to ultras mm-hmm. and they're kind of embarrassed because they feel like we're all together and they've got something wrong you know what i mean like they're on an ssri or they used to have an opiate addiction or they used to be obese or they used to be anorexic and they still struggle on this Buddhist fuel or whatever it is, or they're still struggling with some kind of trauma. Like the number of people who, once you get to know them, one of those things comes up and they think they're like the only one. And I I think it's great. More and more people are like, yeah, I came to this a weird way. Yeah. This actually helps me with my anxiety or my whatever, because I think the bulk of us have something.
0: That's the truth. What would you say that most ultra runners have an issue and i wouldn't say like you know all varying degrees is there any person running ultras that you think has it all together
1: you know but how you'd have to know someone real super well to know that right that's true i mean if if i decide not to tell people anything about my life on the surface i have it super together you know i i mean i got a house i got a good job i've been at for a long time you know i do my training like you know what i mean like you have to know someone pretty well to to because a lot of people just don't go out on their bad days, or you didn't know them during their bad days and they've worked it out now, but you don't know what work they did. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. Well, Whatever they are now.
0: What do you think is your drive, Lee? It seemed like you kind of you know you you have you, you bounce from extremes, right? Like yeah. your you you know your body. And you, you were pu- punishing your body in extreme ways, whether it was just smoking in the beginning and then just running as hard as you can. And then you get into rugby, which, I mean, destroyed your legs and just kind of beat up your body. Yeah, be, I mean, they work. Well, yeah they, they, yeah. yeah, they work okay now. But but is is there something there? Have you sat down and kind of thought like,
1: why oh, I, no, I, I do I do this? I know. I, I absolutely know. Um, at this point, actually, though, like in hundreds, if you see pictures of me, even late race, I'm usually pretty happy. Like people talk about that pain cave and I've definitely had races where stuff is hurt, but I'm actually not that miserable. Like people talk about like their hours of misery mm-hmm. they trudge through. Occasionally i like, Oh, I should have paced slower. My legs are gonna be tired. Bites and snacks, like I don't feel like I have quite as much misery now. But definitely no. Um no, I struggled with depression for a long, long time. I mean, I have cigarettes for bed. I struggled a lot with depression when I was younger. I still have my days. And um, A lot of it's early childhood sexual trauma, which it took me a long time to even talk to anyone about or say openly. And this is something I would not even said 10 years ago. Probably might not have said seven or eight years ago, but it's one of those things where everybody thinks it's rare or everyone thinks when they're in the middle of trying to work that out, that it's not workoutable, that you can't come out the other side. Okay. That things don't work. But um, it's one of those things that can be worked out that you can become happy, but definitely I had some internal pain that I was trying to just stuff down and just run my body into stuff to manage it less. Plus I'm hyper though. Also, some of it's just high energy. Like some of it was punishment, but rugby's fun too, though. I mean, I I had a good time. I mean, I had, I, it gave me circles of friends and yeah. people to hang out with and a social environment. And it was a lot, a lot of fun. And I think also a uh, kid, I know actually know him from running, which made it even funny. It was like, Oh, another friend from running. You have like, you don't have friends that aren't from running. Right. Well, I do. I was like, oh yeah, my other friends from Derby's like, yeah, from a sport. Yeah. I thought, well, that's kind of a dumb thing to say. Like, yes, all of my friends that I made friends with through an common activity. How else do you think adults make friends? It's not your coworkers. It's your book club. Yeah. Or like your birding group, which is similar to a sport, just I'm pretty physically energetic, and I'm happier when I move a lot. And I thought, you know, actually, that is good. That is part of it, is that this is social. I'm not trying to go to the Olympics and be a pro runner. It's to be happy and uh, and find people you have things in common with and overlap, so you develop friendships. Nothing like an eight-hour long run for developing a better oh, friendship. that is the truth, man. You, you learn fast.
0: Yes, you do, and you cut through all the BS when you go on a long run with somebody. Because I mean, the first hour is pleasantries. Like, I'm sure the first hour. Lee and I are on a long run together. The first hour is, oh, where are you from? Oh, da, 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 that sort of thing. Oh, you have kids and that sort of thing. And then by... Hour six, the deepest, darkest stuff. You're like, well, you know, I don't like myself and I've been battling with depression and I got this and I was smoking cigarettes. Like all that stuff comes out. And by yeah. the time you you've finish that eight hour long run, you have covered more in a relationship than just a casual friend that you would meet for drinks for like five years.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then, yeah, and you remember all of it or most of it. And I even have friends I've met during races. Like, there are people I'm still in touch with that we've s- scheduled races on purpose together, yeah. or even scheduled to hang out a couple extra days after in whatever town it was. Actually, one of them just agreed to come to Hellbender's rescheduled date because it reopened because too many people can't make the rescheduled date. And I haven't seen him since, oh, Hellbender two years ago. Well, yeah. Hellbender a year ago. So that's kind of cool. So he's going to come back up. But yeah, like, I know him. I met him during Ure. Really early on, we got lost at the same time with some other dude that then wandered off. We tried to stop him, but you can't control other people. And we refound ourselves and spent a bunch of race together and run in like five or six races where we've overlapped some hours of race time, right. hung out after it before. But like I know multiple people like that, that we were on the same pace. I got a friend down in Tennessee who I met, actually, he and I didn't run Hellbender together. We signed up together and then hung out after Yeah, But I have a friend down there who uh, I've run a bunch of miles with on that course both years. Like we always we've run. We met on the course, ran the second half together the first year, and then the second year we ran 95 of 100 miles together.
0: Wow, and so, you're pro- you're probably like the 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 you know the fairy godmother for his kids or something at that point. You run hellbender with somebody, uh, Michelle McClellan. Oh, okay, so yeah, Michelle, I know Michelle.
1: Yeah, we met we met during hellbender the first year, and then we both ran it again, and the next year. We were talking at the start and just ended up running. But that last five mile downhill, she was like, I'm not running down this hill. And I was like, hurts me more to go slow. I'm going to run down the hill.
0: <laughs> 95 miles we, together and then five miles. Like, ah, I'll see you at the finish. We, I'll get you there. We a both beer. had
1: little airplane bottles of Woodford Reserve that we had put in our 85 mile drop bag. So yeah. We drank our whiskey, in, but she just was still having none of running down the hill. And I just bombed down the hill. So we didn't spend that four or five miles together, but the whole rest of the race. All night long. So both years we ran the whole night together and just hung out and talked.
0: That's really cool, Lee. You know, you talk about, when you're talking about you had your battling depression and, and body issues and how your, you know, things happened in your childhood. Did did the self-discovery come through ultra running? Was it something where spending long hours in the woods and being with yourself and being with your thoughts and thinking? Has ultra running kind of helped you figure all that stuff out?
1: It's definitely given me, like, the, the space to think about it. And it's one of those things where i've been working it out but i definitely kind of hit a plateau where i thought okay i'm stable yeah like i don't have any medications and i've been at the same job for years upon years and i have my house and i have like you know i have all of the, the the boxes are checked you know yeah. i have long-term friendships i have you know everything's worked. the bills are paid like things you're supposed to do to be a stable grown-up are all accomplished but i would just be not not, a, not people think of it as like crying. It's not that kind of thing, but I had kind of just a flat depression. Yeah, I just feel flat about things. Like things wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to, I knew they mattered to me, but I couldn't feel as connected. And I think for me, that was something that came through the, all the time in the woods. It allowed me to somehow that helped me connect. You'd think, go out <laughs> away from everything and now you feel connected, but there's something about being in nature for me. Yeah. It made me more able to connect because it wasn't about the other people. It wasn't about whether people reached towards me. It was about my own ability to feel connected. You know,
0: I think that has helped a lot. You know, we, we seem like a band of misfits, ultra runners. Do you get that kind of vibe where, you know, the reason why you go to a race and you meet somebody five miles in and you run the next 90 miles with them and you build these fast friendships and these circles? Everyone's circle gets bigger. The more races you go to, the more people you know, uh-huh. that you hang out afterwards. Do you think it's, it's kind of that merry band of misfits? We all kind of know we have issues or are running from something and it's just a... A, a non-judgmental group of people that are just looking to have some fun in the woods.
1: Over overall, that's my experience of this community. I mean, there's definitely exceptions, but overall, that's my experience of this community. You know, every once in a while, you run into someone that's just mad. Usually, I'm going to say this, even though we're supposed to be nice to all the sports. Usually, they're a former Ironman triathlete or still doing <laughs> those sports. Oh my god! Yeah. Just, <laughs> Well, I understand being that type. I have to accept being that type A and OCD is another type of thing that a person has that is a struggle. Right. It's just so far from my personality that, you know, eh, but, you know, we're all different. Got to accept it. But I've I've met a handful of people that just, but usually they're people who aren't really part of the community long right. term
0: they want to try it out weird. because they saw something and like, Oh, I can, I can do that. That seems pretty easy. It's just the running part of it. I think too, maybe the anger comes from the fact that, you know, they spent $10,000 on a bike, $5,000 on a, on a singlet and uh, $1,500 on an entry fee. And they go to an ultra for 250 bucks, run a hundred miles and get a medal and beer at the end. They're like, crap, I could have saved a whole lot of money had I found this sport earlier.
1: Yeah, possibly. And possibly some of the people you meet that aren't quite part of the community thing, yeah. they're new. So the other thing is like, I real try super hard. If somebody is being a little bit that angry or a little bit like that, mm-hmm. try super hard, no matter what. Try, not always totally sleep, but to be more, to still be like, hey, no, but it's all right. Come on. This is the thing. This is how we are. Like, because I you meet someone, you'll try to say hi to them and they're acting weird in a race. Yeah. And after mile 30, like, Oh, do you usually run road marathons? And it's so funny because you do that and they go, yeah, why? <laughs> oh, well, because at Trio Ultra, we all talk during the races and make friends. It's different than road. Everyone's much more social. Sometimes <laughs> you have to gently tell them. They don't know. Right. they road races with people who put in headphones and ignore each other and try to grind and give each other the evil eye. Not everyone. I have friends no, that run right. Races. There, there, there's They're there's some. Yes. They made me run a horrible race this year. Last year, they made me run a road four-mile race with them. That was flat. Oh! I got out of breath a hundred yards in, and then I was out of breath the entire time. It hurt. <laughs> like, I run hundreds. I don't have to be able to run fast. Like to win a hundred-mile race, you do not need to be able to be able to run fast for a short distance. It's almost helpful if you can't. Right. It's only- so badly if you're not that fast. Oh my God! It was painful. <laughs> But they're my pub run friends, and they were very excited. They also made me participate in a relay last summer. We have like, a, there's like a local pub run group, yeah. and they're all great folks, yeah. But most of them do road. Some of them are getting very trail curious. A few of them do trail. A couple of them have done ultra, but a lot of them have marathons at the top. They're working to marathon. A couple of them done marathons. Yeah. I make them a little more curious here and there, but uh, like, they're my friends. You know, I see them every week, mm-hmm. and so. They make a relay team for a hundred miler a year. Yeah. It's like, I'm not doing part of a relay in a hundred miler or well, on your distance. But I didn't tell them that because they're my friends. Right. But then a couple of them got injured and none of them can run that far. And so they were really, really short for their relay team. They needed eight people and they had like four or five.
0: They had four in you though. They
1: had four they had, people in then you. They, then they had five. Well, I was actually had a, a hundred miler the next weekend Yeah. after this relay. But then I was like, you know what but it was like i had my race schedule set. I was like, no i actually need i was going to put in a 26 mile run that weekend and then but 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 not back to back it just do one 26 mile i was like okay okay let me see your route so i look at this section there's one nice trail section like has anyone picked this They're like well we're discussing who can do that because that's like 13 miles and it's mostly trail and it was like Oh, I'll do that. And they're like, Okay, well we got a guy to cover the start section. But this is an out and back race. So what I end up doing and they don't understand, I'm like, okay, well, I got that section. We're good. And they're like, No, oh, we gotta we gotta find someone to do the other way. I'm like, No, I need twenty six miles that weekend. Just, I'll run the section and then the next relay person go out to turn around and then the next person comes back and then I'll run the section again. It's perfect. <laughs> we had a super, it was actually super fun. And I think we were like the second relay team or something. Now, it was super fun. I had a good time.
0: Lee, I am not a psychologist or a therapist or anything, but I think I've uncovered a problem you may have. And you can tell me if I'm, if I'm off the ball on this or if I'm right on. And if I'm right on, I won't charge you the standard psychoanalyst copay. And I won't, you know, bite my glasses and go, don't tell me how you feel Lee. But it sounds like you have a problem saying no. Did you know what? I
1: accidentally have... Blood rock two weeks after Hellbender this year because it's <laughs> exactly that problem. Do you know why I even run Hellbender the first year? You, well, the last time I talked to you was because I would run Cool Jewel again. And I ended yeah. up having that planning race, but I wasn't going to run it again. Some friend of mine, oh, that was when I found out there was such a thing as a triple IPA, the day that you got me to register for that. Because I'd done it once before. I knew how horrible it was. I wasn't going to do it. Convincing friends. And this is why now Hellbender now has a 1.30 a.m. start incidentally. Oh wow. Yeah, because they moved it to late November.
0: Yeah.
1: So now I have it and then Bloodrock. Rock. Someone's going to be hanging out in the south. It's be super fun.
0: Okay, Lee Connor can't say no. You're probably uh, wondering how how Lee agreed to do this podcast. Because I sent her a message and Lee can't say no.
1: Uh, <laughs> no, I have I have boundaries. I do. I found I found out what they are. Yeah. And I have some now. Mm-hmm. Okay, but, good. Like But I like people and running a lot. Okay. And Hellbender's a pretty fun race.
0: I've heard really good things about Hellbender, and I think Hellbender is one of those races, you know, where even early on you knew it was going to be good because when you got a guy like Aaron Saft, who I have never – Ever never heard anyone say anything but glowing, wonderful things about yeah, Aaron Saft.
1: Yeah, I know him a little bit. I, I know him a little bit. love, oh, bad.
0: love Aaron Saft. And you know that if he's putting his heart and soul into something, and he's not the only one, there's a couple of guys that are involved there, yeah. but Aaron Saft could, could sell me on just about anything. And Hellbender is one of those races where I think we needed something like that. And we have we have tough races on the Beast Coast. Don't get me wrong. There's plenty of tough races. But I think that was one of those kicky-in-the-nuts races that, you know, we needed another one of those. Yeah.
1: yeah. I hear Blood Rocks actually got 26000 of gain in some medium technical.
0: Really? So you're going to do—
1: I've never seen those trails. It's down in, I think, Alabama or something. I've never been to Birmingham. I think okay. that's the, back from the airport. So I'm going to go find out. Yeah. I read the description and, and I looked up a couple pictures and it looks pretty cool. Eastern States is rough.
0: That's what I've heard. Yeah, yeah I've, It'd be it, for You you may be yeah. the expert on on Eastern 100 just cuz you've run so many of them, Lee, but you, Go yeah. back to back to back going Hellbender to Bloodrock back to back because well, you we'll just can't say no. Goes.
1: But but then I don't have to train very much. You know what's with <laughs> pandemic, everything's canceled. I've had to actually make a training schedule. I have to actually go do back to back long runs a couple times because if Uray actually happens, I actually need to be fit. And I was supposed to have leading up hundreds and they've been canceled. And so now I have to actually train myself other than by just Cause when you run, if you run like five, six, seven hundreds a year, like one or two other shorter distances, like you don't have to do that much training. Like you throw in some intervals, you do a bunch of stabilizer exercises and strength stuff. So your body doesn't fall apart on you. And like, you know, you don't have to do a ton of training miles because you maintain the endurance by the races. So you only have to just like fine tune your leg turnover and do your PT stuff. Huh, I'm having to do real training. Mm. Right. it's been a while since I've done this. That's awesome racing. Thank God I ran Orcas Island in February, so I at least already got to race once this year. No, <laughs> you know what? Aaron Saft. Yeah. Aaron Saft is such a great guy. So I went last summer, I ran a race called Shikamocha Canyon, 100 mile, which is in Colombia. Yeah. In the deepest canyon in South America. Yeah god it was, it was challenging it was 106 degrees with direct sun during the afternoon and it's not dry heat no it's not <laughs> it's colombia it was hot but i had a great time down there um i mean you need some spanish ideally if you're gonna do that race yeah they're super friendly but um it's real helpful if you have some basic spanish you probably get through it otherwise I mean, they'll work with you but i found it helpful but that, that's an epic, amazing race. That thing, I was the second place woman. It took me like 33 hours.
0: Wow. So
1: it should have taken me less time. I had a few on-course issues. What were they? Um, You know, dehydration. It was hot. 106 is hot. Mm-hmm. 106 is really hot. Mm-hmm. And I didn't understand how technical some of the sections would be because their descriptions, our country's pansies about technical. Really? Yes. We think that Eastern states is really, really, really technical. And they're like, that's normal. (laughs) (laughs) And the trail, the trail is, it's a little narrow single track trail, which is fine. And there's some rocks in it, which is also fine, right? Except there's also knee-high underbrush and things that are so overgrown that you cannot see your feet. And it's night. And it's misting outside because it's so humid, just misting air, So your headlamp doesn't show you anything. You can barely see where the bush is. You cannot see your feet at all. And you're supposed to. So it's you look at the section, you're like, oh, this would be quick, because there's this downhill that looks like you look at the profile, you're like, oh, there's a runnable angle downhill yeah. between these four points. It looks like there's like a four-mile downhill. Yeah, except you can't see your feet, and there's rocks. And then the end part of it isn't even a trail. This trail... It comes down and hits a creek and goes one way, but the race course needs to go the other way. So then you're in this big creek bed with big boulders, and they've stuck these stickers. They mark things. I've never seen better marking in my life. Yeah. They had these reflective stickers. They must have had like 10,000 of them. I'm not even kidding you. But like it's in this creek bed, so they, they stuck to everything. So there's, there's one stuck on a rock. So you look at the yellow diamond, and you look with your headlamp looking for something to reflect. You can't see it. So you climb up on a rock. Happily, I was with another racer at that point. Yeah. And my Spanish is fairly decent. And you 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 both climb up and you look for the next marker and you call out when you see it and point and then you go find you know what I mean so right you just find the marker so you're like climbing down the rocks down the creek bed wow so this means your pace is not optimal and there were sections because you'd run into these towns so then yeah. you're coming down cobblestone roads into yeah. town yeah because it's this section of Columbia that has these old old towns it's all cobblestone roads it's hugely scenic it's like the adventure capital of South America so San Hill in Santander and it's, there's like paragliding, I went paragliding a couple times down there. Wow. Paragliding into the canyon, like they have paragliding and mountain bike tours and like rafting. I learned what Hydra speed is. It's like, you go down the rapids yeah, and you can do a high class three because the water was high. And it's like a floater that you have a life jacket on and a helmet and you have flippers like you would use for scuba diving on your feet. And then you have this big, um, it's not inflated. It's like a big foam thing. That You have your arms locked into that looks like the front part of a boat and your body, your whole rib cage is up on it, but then the rest of you is hanging free in the water. Yeah. And you just try to steer through the rapids with it while kicking it. Well, I did it like two day two or three days after the race, but I was still kind of fatigued. Oh my God. So I got pushed right down the bottom of the hole and out of it feet first. I irrigated <laughs> all my sinuses with river water while I was there. <laughs> then the next one, I figured I had to get the nose of it down. <laughs> A lot better. It was a learn-as-you-go kind of thing. I someone in a kayak giving you directions, who's a very good kayaker, floating about giving you yes. directions as they handle the rapid perfectly because, you know, this is all they do every day.
0: Okay, Lee, real quick, we're going to take a timeout real quick. you got to give us that name of the race again because I'm you've intrigued a lot of people listening right now that may not have heard of that race.
1: It has many distances, and there are two small boutique hotels there. Okay. The race is in San Hill, which is spelled S-A-N-G-I-L. Okay. And so they've got boutique hotels that do cater to tourists who are going to need English. And you can charter a car. I took local buses, do what you want. But you need Spanish if you're going to take the little local buses. Because, like in rural areas, people won't speak English, but there are people there that do and will guide you and help you. And was friendly. It's a pretty safe country. The race is called Chica Mocha Canyon.
0: Chica Mocha Canyon. Google it, everybody. Because Lee they, just they did have, a good job selling that.
1: They got an Instagram and everything. So I'm on their Instagram so I see all their pictures of their of their area. And it goes through Body which is this old, old town where a lot of the former presidents of Columbia live, and they've yeah. got this building code that everything has to be built with materials that are period appropriate to like over hundred years ago. So the whole thing is like back in time, all the roads, all the buildings, everything. And you can get to there, the race goes through it. But there's like a little bus system that'll take you there. You can sign up for tours if you don't want to be on your own. Yeah. So that was that was super great. It's dangerous though. Like you go a place for a beer and it's like 50 cents. Right. Once you do the conversion. Yeah. Dangerous. Anyway, I met this guy named Mario, who was a very good runner down there. He was like a second place <laughs> man, I think. Oh, we made friends. He helped me out with something because I coincidentally met other people that were his relatives. Complicated. I'm yeah. highly social. Yeah. Not bike people, but they, he knew them. So he wanted to come to the US to race, but it's a problem getting a visa mm. if you don't own property down there. And he does not. So I'm like, but you like this race. Oh, I know the race, you could kill. You'd had no problem with this, you could kill this race. So I message Aaron Saft and I say, hey, this guy he's in his 20s, he's good, but he's, you know, a newer runner. Well, I mean, he just killed this race, and this race is harder than Hellbender significantly. If a race director, he's telling me if a race director in the US gives him an official invite, it will expedite his visa. I'm so sad that Hellbender didn't have it this year because right before the pandemic hit, he had just messaged me that he had gotten his visa because Aaron and went. And Aaron has basic Spanish. We went out of his way to help get someone to help him translate. It's set in both languages like an official invite and put like yeah. letterhead on. So this guy could get a visa expedited because coming from Columbia, that's hard right now. So this guy could come here to run this race. And Like I was going to, I was going to have in my race housing because the conversion rates not favorable. Yeah. Like, I was going to help him out a little bit there because I don't have kids. I'm a dentist. Like, right. I was like, do you just stay? I've, I've booked housing. You can just mm-hmm. stay in that room." So like we're going to cover it now. <sighs> I hope he can make it to the race one of these years.
0: That'd be so great.
1: But, but Aaron's Aaron's this guy where I messaged him. I'm like, oh hey, race director, I kinda know, and I chatted with some and I called heres with. there's this guy in Columbia that really wants stuff. Can you help? And Aaron's like, totally on it. Definitely. Like he's the guy that that's does it. That's the kind that. of guy he is. Know? I mean that's, that's pretty cool. I mean, it's also cool to get international people coming to your race, but no, he's the I don't even think it's not even like that with him. He's just like, Oh, an opportunity to help some folks have a cooler life. Yeah, yeah, I can help. That's yeah, why we definitely. love him. That's why we love Aaron so
0: Um, Lee. This is almost this. This podcast has turned into a sprint. Inside the mind of Lee Connor is a sprint. We're moving fast. This is this is great. I yeah.
1: Do, go go ahead. You got to interview me while I'm running if you want me to talk. <laughs> like when I'm running, <laughs> my thoughts slow down to regular pace. Oh, and there are pauses and everything. Okay.
0: Well, here's what I want to ask you because I I know that you're very opinionated. You have some 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 rules. I've you're talking about that technical race that you did. And I have seen you say that trail shoes are unnecessary. I've seen you I've heard you say that. Now have you have you changed your mind about that? Or are you still running Hellbender in your standard road new balances?
1: They're no, they're road Canvaras. Oh, sorry. And, <laughs> and actually- I ran the front half of Chikamocha Canyon in uh, Saucony, not the Kinvara, but the thing they, it's not really a trail shoe. They made a version of the uh, Kinvara. It's called something else, but it's basically Kinvara, but a Kinvara has a foam bottom. It doesn't even have full rubber bottom on it. They may have another shoe that's basically the same thing, except it does have a full rubber bottom. Didn't like it. Changed out about two thirds of the way through into, I don't even remember what shoe.
0: Was it a road shoe?
1: (laughs) No, I actually, I have trail shoes. <gasps> I do wear them, especially when it's super muddy. Oh. I, some, I just think that a lot of people are like, oh, you have to have a trail shoe. And they're like, like for Western States, you do not need a trail shoe. No, you don't.
0: What did you wear when you went to Western States? Saucony Road Canvars? Okay. All right. So did you? what is your threshold, Lee, for, I'm going to bust out the trail shoes for this bad boy.
1: Do you know what happened at Eastern States this summer? I got second place at Eastern States in the summer. <laughs> Woo! No, I had, a, but I had a good race. Like I wanted revenge. The first time I ran Eastern States was the second year of the race. And yeah. it went horribly for me. And I always felt like I could have handled it better.
0: Yeah.
1: And I took like something like five and a half hours or five hours off my time. Wow. When I ran it the second time, because I was right. I trained right. And I managed calories better and, you know, didn't run Tahoe Rim Trail right before it. And Bryce and Mohican. <laughs> Same summer. I I made better race decisions, but no, also, uh, though, like I targeted my training a little bit. I got better at the technical descents, you know. But so I kicked it in its face. I was very happy with myself. Yeah. But you know what happened, though? I was wearing some Ultra Timps. Yeah. They need to get their quality control. I have another pair that's ripping out. I was wearing Ultra Timps. And they only had a 100 miles on them. Mm -hmm. If I'm wrong, they were still under 150. Yeah. And they tore, both shoes tore from. The big toe all the way down the inside side, almost to the, like, like all the way down to the base of the arch of my foot, to my heel, to where my feet were coming out of them. And yeah. they did this. They did this. One of them did it at mile six or so. And the other one did it by mile nine. So I got into the 11 mile aid station, my feet coming out of my shoes, which you can't do on the Eastern States course. Yeah. You have to, I was wearing a trail shoe on purpose. It's like, it's got rocks. I'm going to yeah. wear a trail shoe. I'm be responsible. The shoes came completely apart. It's not even a drop bag location. Like my feet, I... They, it was completely untenable i was like asking if there's duck time like, i don't know what i'm gonna do take them together and then start asking friends when i get to hire up aid stations and i'm sitting on the ground like i don't know what to do and the people at aid station are trying to help me and somebody's kid is standing next to me this kid charlie yeah charlie his name is charlie his mom's name is jade and she was volunteering with with at the aid station mm-hmm. and he's just standing there helping out having a good time he's like 11 really smart kid yeah 11 or 12 but really he you know, just really great kid, into jazz and stuff. Like, I chatted with him after the race. He's standing, I look at his feet, I'm like, he's wearing, like, these wreck Adidas shoes. Like, not, they're not, like, racing shoes. Right. And it turns out he's gotten them used from someone else, because actually his dad bought them used. They didn't fit his dad right. He's in the middle of growing out of them, but he's growing so fast. So he's been wearing them this summer. Right. I'm like, those are my, those are my size. And look, I'm like, oh, my God. He's like, oh, you can try them on my look. Like, I'm like, where, 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 you have a parent? His mom's there. She's like, oh, it's fine, whatever he's comfortable with. So I get the story later that it turns out they were used shoes that had been bought for 20 bucks at some kind of like running group exchange or something like that. They were already second or third hand when he got them. So he had them third hand. (laughs) So I put them on at mile 11. I'm like, well, they don't have holes. Right. And I wore them for the entire rest of Eastern States. When I hit my drop bag that had shoes, my feet were so comfortable. I didn't even touch them. I wore the shoes from mile 11 to mile 105 of Eastern States that this kid that I met on the course gave to me. When I saw him at the finish, he almost was like, Hey, did it not work out? I'm like, that worked out. I'm done. <laughs> I got second. Thank you for the shoes. And I still, I, was like, I still have them on. I didn't even switch to my shoes when I got to my drop bag. Your shoes saved my race. Wow. So I introduced my friends and told everyone, which made him happy because, you know, when you're a kid and you're bored and then all of a sudden all the grownups are like, oh, wow, you're the one. Oh,
0: so, oh second place. The dude that, Money. yeah, that's fantastic. The kid gives you yeah, his saved, shoes.
1: Saved by, saved by somebody raising their son to be a generous and, and helpful person, you know, which is really cool.
0: That's fantastic. So, wow.
1: Yeah. Lee, great, how, did,
0: how do you recover so quickly in between races? Because you're kind of known for, because you, we found out earlier in the podcast, you just can't say no. So you're-
1: yeah, then I made friends with Walter. I don't even <laughs> recover well. Do you know who Walter is? Walter? Yeah. No. Walter Handloser.
0: I've, not, I've you never know, met him.
1: He, he has, it's spelled Handloser, but he's German. It's Handloser. Yeah. I mean, he's a US citizen, but it's a German name. Okay. He just set the record last year for most hundred mile official finishes in one year. Oh wow! As long as you finish hundred miles during a twenty four hour, they count too. So he did two of them during across the years. Oh wow! Two days apart. Yeah, I was there for the finish. Actually, me and uh, do you know Jessica Prasad? I do. She has she has like a podcast. She actually just yep. started a magazine. Yeah, she Eat did. Queen, Run Dirty. Mm-hmm, yep. I, I wrote I wrote an article for her promo issue. I'm gonna have an article on her next first issue. Because I'm um, I'm occasionally writing articles for.
0: Very cool. What's What's the article about in the Good first point. issue?
1: Um, how to make a safe sex kit for having nature sex. <laughs> it's what to in it and why. You, it's, it's like a promo issue. You, you can still get it though, private messenger. <laughs> uh, errors that have been made along the way. Hazards, places you don't want ticks. Did you know that not a single commonly used skin lubricant is condom safe? That's what I learned in researching that article. Even though I personally have a girlfriend and yeah. we don't have a use for condoms generally. I wanted to make this all inclusive. <laughs> and so like we will try to cover everything. And if you've just gone for a run and you've lubricated yourself, it is not condom safe. You need to be aware. So you're this saying, may may not hang on making, but be aware skin sake and try slide and all those things and the silicone stuff, like trail toes. none of that is condom safe.
0: So you're telling me squirrels, nut butter is not appropriate. Nut butter for coconut. all occasions,
1: coconut butter, is not even, yeah no, it's not appropriate. nut butter for all occasions. It's not condom. I mean, if it's someone you're trying to impregnate, then I, it should be fine, right? Just just be aware. Be aware that your condom is not going to necessarily be effective. Oh, These are look things happen. People get excited. You're running around in the nature. What <laughs> can happen? You need to so maybe, What's the minimal kit you can have? you know and so i wrote i wrote Jess an article about it this because this magazine is it's not like a it's not like a um, trail runner magazine where it's like oh it's like yeah. most issues will have some kind of recipe some kind of like different runners favorite taste music stuff we do that isn't running not a race report of like oh here's my perfect race of my right. day i want it's more like how to actually be not it's not eat clean like oh eat a vegan meal it's eat clean like all the things that you take into yourself music arts like all the things so some of them I think the, the promo issue actually has a tattoo artist drew a connect the dots of Anton Krupika.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> do the connect the dots? Like, it's, like some of it's serious. Like there's a, like Sabrina Stanley wrote an article on how to coach yourself successfully. Yeah. She self-coached. Yeah. And is the first American to podium at, at uh, Diagonal Fu. Yeah. The, which is on my list of dumb races to do that I haven't done yet.
0: Okay. Do, do you want to go through your list real quick of dumb races to do that you haven't done yet?
1: It's so long. Um, so I was supposed to run 100k in Romania.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, Transylvania, mm-hmm. 100k, but it got canceled. yes yeah. Pandemic. Right. Um, uh, there's one in Croatia. Mm-hmm. There's uh, Ultra Trail Rosa mm-hmm. There's oh, I want to do Tour de Jatte sometime. Right. Um, even though it's 206 miles and dumb.
0: Yeah. Why not? You know.
1: There. It's such a long list. Like there's like it's extensive. Like there's causeway cross. There's there's so much good races out there. I actually do have a list about here somewhere, but it's, oh, hundred miles of Istria is the one in Croatia. That's on my list. Like I saw pictures of that. It's so beautiful. Yeah. So like there's places I want to travel. So I figure there's places I've never been. I'd like to see. So you kind of like sign up. For, like it's, it's all like a whole combined thing. Yeah. There's another race down in Colombia There's San Francisco hundred there. They start running it again. I used to want to go run and get revenge on Ronda del Sims up in Andorra, mm-hmm. but they had to cancel for pandemic, and people were such dicks to them that they've decided to shut down the race because the race director's family got death threats. Wait, what, what? is wrong with people? The race will no longer exist. They did 11 editions, and it will no longer exist because people can't handle themselves.
0: So people well, were upset people, because if of if you
1: can afford, if you can afford to go to Andorra, which either you drive up from Toulouse in France, yeah, or. You come up by bus or car from Barcelona. That's how you get there. If you are not local, and it wasn't the local people causing the trouble, and you can afford to go to this race, you can afford to lose the money. And the trouble is, they lost their title sponsor, so they were suddenly sixty thousand in the red. Oh, uh, and there's nothing they can do. So they couldn't. Have, they literally didn't have the money to refund. Like the guy that owns the race is going to go put a second mortgage on his house. Right. To like, you can't. You can't just magic sixty mid mid-pandemic and people were just being unreasonable and it's a handful of kid bad kids rooting for the whole class mm-hmm. but yeah so that's that's just a loss because that was an amazing race but the year that i ran it i got stuck on course like 42 of us got stuck on course due to catastrophic weather conditions yeah so we all got stuck in the evening and got evacuated after sunrise the next day
0: oh wow what well, was it yeah. was, was it thunderstorms or what was it
1: No, it's up in the Pyrenees, Mm -hmm. and there was occasionally there's flash storms. There's always like it's five or six in the evening. There's going to be a flash flash over storm. It'll last 20 minutes. It'll last 40 minutes. You do this checkpoint, and it starts, and like they're holding people like oh, just wait because there's lightning, and then the rain. The temperature started dropping, and it had been in the upper 60s up high, and it had been like in the upper 70s to 80 down low, and it had been. And all of a sudden up on the side of the mountain, it becomes, the temperature starts coming down you can feel it like the air got cold. And all of a sudden it's like in the forties and then it turned into hail and then the hail got bigger.
0: Yeah.
1: And then they're like, well, it'll pass. And an hour later there was huge hail and it was 35 degrees outside. And so they weren't letting anyone leave and the trails were becoming impassable because the hail was coming down so much. So we were at a backpacker hut where the, the main aid was, but there was the med shack below it, like just downhill. Yeah. That te- Got so much hail on it, it, collapsed partially. There were actually a couple guys in it when that happened who had been napping and hadn't even realized. Like, they'd come in a and go, we're going to nap for a little while, and then we're going to hit the night portion, right?
0: Yeah.
1: And they woke up to the tent, partly collapsed on them. Had it, And there's this hail is is not quite golf ball size. But it's like half the size of a golf ball. And there's a huge amount of it, like to where there's like six inches of it sticking now, and the sun's fully down. And we just keep accumulating people. And the later people are coming to this checkpoint because I got there early. I was one of the first people to get stuck there. I was just talking to these touristing Belgian backpack ladies that were really nice and gave me a beer. And I was about to leave when the storm hit. Like I almost got out ahead of it, in which case I would have been stuck on the mountain and probably wound up... I probably would have made the next checkpoint, but I just would have been held there, which meant I could have evacuated by slightly sooner. But like it, actually very few people got stuck in that gap there in front of me, which is good because that was actually a dangerous spot. One person stuck there, made it out, but had hypothermia. And there was a guy, the last guy in the RA station, they went out and found him. And he hadn't even remembered to put on all of his gear because hypothermia hits so fast. Like, you don't realize. You need to remind yourself that you have that mylar. He hadn't taken it out. He hadn't taken out his rain pants. He had on his jacket, but he didn't have his jacket fully zipped, didn't have his rain pants on, didn't have that mylar wrapped around under his jacket. And when they found him, he had stopped moving, and he was gray. Oh God. He, he was non he was non-responsive. He couldn't talk. He couldn't. They carried him in. And there was actually a physician stuck there also. And so they carried him in because now it's like below freezing. And it just you run out your calories. Like you're trying to climb up this mountain. And you just think, well, I better the priority is to hurry and get to this checkpoint. Well, he ran out his calories and he survived. They were able to rewarm him. He didn't evacuate with us. The last guy in that was carried. there was one guy carried in ahead of him who wasn't fully under his own power but was able to get warm enough and get okay. Yeah. And evacuate with us. So now we're in this tiny like, backpacker hut. It's also full of backpackers that are stranded, so they have all the rooms. So we have 42 of us sleeping in this dining room, this little <laughs> dining room. So there are people on tables, on the benches next to the tables, and under tables. I slept with this guy named Sergio under the table, who was from Spain. Yeah. He spoke zero English, because every time I cursed at something in English, he'd be like, "You tell me in Spanish to remember he didn't understand it. <laughs> I, well, no, I was just cursing. I was just cursing. And I improved my Spanish between then and going to Colombia, but like my ability to speak because I, I make so much mistakes when well, you don't have a choice. Right. Nobody, usually you don't get better. Cause someone will fill in. Everyone's stuck there. There were no Americans stuck there. I think there was like somebody from somewhere in French Canada. There were two people that had come together and then everyone else was from somewhere in Spain, somewhere in France or international, like a third of the people were like somewhere Asia or somewhere. So English is a second language right. and then everyone else was French or Spanish. Not a single volunteer stuck there, or during our evacuation, spoke English. So oh. this was interesting. I was the only native English speaker. Oh wow! But the people they spoke like broken English a little, but they couldn't speak in English that would be understandable to someone who speaks English as a second language.
0: Yeah.
1: It was so funny because I've been hanging with these guys from Spain all night because, like, I was by myself, and most people were racing like with one or two friends. Yeah. Because this race is so ridiculously difficult. Like the the hundred k has a uh, forty eight hour time limit because it's got the same amount of climbing as the UTMB. Wow. And it's got like 40 sections of just fixed chains. Like you're on the side of the cliff, holding on a fixed chain navigating. Like it's, I really wish this hadn't ceased to exist. It's the most epic technical course I've ever been on in my life. I'm just so sad. I hope someday they bring it back. But so like wound up when they finally called the, that these buses coming to get us. But so they make the announcement in French. I'm trying to, uh, they make it in Spanish. Okay. Okay. Now I know what's going on. And then they make this announcement, which I hear them do. Can, does anyone speak English? Because the international runners have all grouped together, except me. I've been adopted by the Spaniards. They were super great. Yeah. And the other international folks are like over there, like they, they haven't understood a word of French or Spanish. Like there was nobody else international, or if there was, they have gone and joined the French group. Yeah. There was nobody else international who spoke. Like no one was speaking. Flu- it was weird. So you'd expect you'd have one or two Germans. They're usually fluent in everything. Right. But, 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 and, or people spoke Catalan, which is what's spoken in Andorra and what's spoken in the north of Spain primarily. But there's overlap. But so, like, I end up, finally, the one guy nudges me is like, you speak English. You know what he said. I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm it. I, come up, like, <laughs> the race I come up because of the hesitation. I'm like, wait, what? So I'm answering in Spanish. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, I can speak English. But you need to speak really clear English. i like, oh, oh, no, I'm American. And they look at me and I'm like, say it in English? I go, no, I'm, I'm from the United States. I, I can I can speak clear yeah. English. I say this in English, and they're like, oh. So I got to represent the U.S. and not be the ignorant asset. I was actually able to say, the buses are coming in this amount of time. This is what has happened with the rest of the country. All the roads were shut down this whole night. That's why we've been in this situation. Search and rescue helicopters have actually been used all night to find a couple people. No one has died. Whoever you put on your form has been notified that you are safe. We did account for everyone. And the bus is coming. Like it was that kind of thing, because literally you had no way of, like, there's no reception. Like your everyone's cell phone's dead. There's no reception. Like you're just stuck that's there amazing. You don't even know what anybody's thinking. Like you don't know what's happening. You just can't go anywhere because everything's iced over. Do
0: you know what the and great thing about that is? Is there some people that were getting on that bus going, you know, Americans aren't half bad. Boy, that American gal, she was something else, wasn't she? I've been wrong about Americans this whole time.
1: And then they'll meet the rest. <laughs> no, that's not all bad. I don't. I it's it's we're like anybody else. Humans are humans. Oh, of course. I, I, I really hate. I really hate all the all the politics around insulting any group, whether it's the gender wars, right, or the this or the that. do you know what? It is in every single group, age, generations, countries. There's going to be complete jerks, and there's going to be amazing people. Yeah. And if you got some bigotry, you're never going to meet a bunch of amazing people because you got a stupid prejudice. Yeah, that's gotta, that's, that's really you true. Gotta, you got to look and see who they are, and you're going to trust people you shouldn't trust it because you think they're part of the good group. There's not a good group. There's humans. Yeah, there's humans. And we're all flawed.
0: I yeah. No I got gotcha. you. I've met people in each group, and I I, I try to have a, a, a circle of friends where I've got somebody that I I I won't really stand for for hate. You know, like if you dislike a group of people because of of the way they are, like I, I, am not gonna gonna stand so for that.
1: Disliking people because they're Nazis is different than disliking people because they're French. Right,
0: right, exactly. So I, I draw the line at that, Lee. I have no problem if you're French, but if you're a Nazi, I'm out.
1: If you decide, you decide that you get born French, you get born boy, right? You get born a girl, you get born whatever. You get born in the generation you're born in. do not get born a Nazi. You picked it to be that.
0: <laughs> Boy, yeah. we have covered a whole lot of bases here, Lee. We have really, this may have been the fastest, most in-depth interview I've ever had. And you know what? I didn't have to do much work. You did all the work <laughs> on this episode.
1: Yeah. I-, I talk a lot. <laughs> but I actually like, On long run, sometimes I'll go like 20 and 30 minutes without talking when I'm running long. I don't like, believe about, that. About about forty-five minutes into running, my brain settles down, and like I don't, I can just be fine.
0: I don't know. I don't know if I believe that, Lee. I don't.
1: <laughs> well, next time I'm down your way, we'll go okay. run for a few hours.
0: That sounds fantastic, Lee. Um, you've done a lot of races, and like I said before, I I love your your tenacity and just your your your, your tough. I love that. That toughness, and I want people to take something out of it. They've been frantically writing down the races you've been talking about, uh, trying.
1: Oh, Oh, go ahead. Ultra Trail Cape Town. Okay. My one and only DFL. I just ran it in November, end of November to avoid Thanksgiving. Ultra Trail Cape Town Hundred K. Yeah. Although when they say you need to be finishing the top third of the general field of your local races, or don't start, it's for serious. I had things go wrong. I was sick, but still, I couldn't. I finished DFL with less than a minute on the clock.
0: I think it's amazing and that you didn't give up. I mean, so no, like, how many how many people would give up at some point?
1: At best I could have finished two hours faster, maybe, but yeah. not any faster that. that that is a insane race, but also beautiful. But also they have a 65k. Also it's in Cape Town, South Africa. I wanted an adventure. I got an adventure. It was amazing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, give us something, Lee. What can we take? Like, how can we all grab a little bit of Lee Connor's mental toughness?
1: Oh, it's so funny too, because I don't really think about it that way. It just doesn't really occur to me that I should quit usually. <laughs> so, like, so- it doesn't seem to be on the options list. Like, I'm not sure that, but it's not like, like I'll do races even where you loop by the start finish and hmm. have to go out again. And somehow, like, I don't notice. I think, I, like, I'll be out on the trail thing, this horrible. I don't know what I'll do at the next checkpoint. And then I get to the checkpoint and I go, like, oh, well, I'm just going to get stuff and go. I have no idea what happens there. Hmm. but also though also though i i I think i think doing some strength training for hip strength helps the recovery
0: so hips hip strength
1: your shock absorption up in your hips yeah like you have weak hips and core if you don't have good one leg balance like you only run on one foot at a time if you don't do single leg exercises and get like lateral stability you're going to get injured okay it's like that's how you get injured so definitely like having less injuries as a result of of doing some lateral strengthening, that definitely is helpful.
0: Okay. I think and then I have you
1: it. I really like being in the woods. I really, see, I really like being out in the woods for hours. Like I really like that. If you made me run like a 24 hour race on a track, what you would see is a total lack of mental toughness. You would see some quitting okay. really early. You would have to pay me a lot of money to keep me out there because no, no, I don't like it. Like I, I really, otherwise I would like, like during the pandemic cause I had barely been working or yeah. really seeing emergencies right now. I've been taking like four and five hour hikes all the time. Like I can really run so much, but I'm just hiking around. I've been learning botany and edible plants so far. I haven't killed myself. <laughs> uh, I, I found out that there's local to me, a version of what the, the wormwood plant Yeah. it's used for absinthe. Yeah. There's a version called mugwort, but it's got the same oils in it. And it grows locally everywhere in our parts. And so I made experimental absinthe one day. Oh God. <laughs> Actually it was that I wanted help under the last time I, I ran Hellbender. And last year. They gave me vodka. I don't really drink vodka, so I just left it because it was salamander vodka. I left it in my camera. I was like, Oh, I have vodka. I'm gonna make an infusion. It gives you it gives you really vivid dreams. Okay. That's about
0: it. So you made your own absinthe and then you 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 drank it. What I, oh God, I, I'm, aff- I'm almost afraid to ask. First of all, I want to say, I think I know why you don't quit is because that'd be a form of saying no. And we all know you can't say no. Um, but Lee, what was, your, what was your dream on your homemade
1: absinthe? No, it was like series of them. Like I was wandering through this house and then there were club lights and they were everywhere. And My friends were at the club and there were like Christmas, like everything was vivid colors. There wasn't an intricate plot. There was no deep meaning just, and I could hear my neighbor, my neighbor Across the street, because yeah. I live in very much in the city with short, short front yards. Neighbor across the street has a driveway that's not made well and a low, low, low riding car. And so the, the bottom of the bumper scrapes just slightly every time she pulls in or out of that drive. Yeah. Every time. I think there's an angle that would prevent it, but <laughs> um, I don't think that she wants feedback. And so I can hear it from my bedroom just faintly. And I remember hearing it and be like, oh, she's leaving for work. I'm supposed to meet a friend around oh no, she leaves for work at like six. I sleep another hour. And like, I remember this and I'm pretty sure it really happened, but who knows, but I could see what I was dreaming. Very strange. But then everyone says they're having strange COVID dreams. So, I mean, maybe I imagined the whole thing because I looked it up and it said, that's all it would do. And I made sure of what plan it was. You can kill yourself. Like there's plants that will kill you. Yeah. Yeah. I I actually, like, you should not take lightly going out and doing this sort of project. There was considerable research. I say it lightly, but like... There's there's some local mushrooms I know, but you really have to know because there's also things that will just kill you. Right. Like there's one that'll just cause multi-organ system failure. Like you'll think you're fine, and then days later suddenly things just shut down.
0: Wow. Yeah. Remember those so
1: commercials? <laughs> you do have to know what you're doing and what the look and what does and doesn't have lookalikes. It's very important.
0: Do you remember the old Dosecchi's commercials, Lee, where it was the most the world's most interesting man? <laughs>
1: Yeah, the old guy, the old
0: guy with the gray beard, you coming Yeah, so. I, I think I think you need to be his counterpart, the world's most interesting woman, because I, think I need
1: to take up paragliding for that or something.
0: Something, Something parasailing or whatever. Because I'll be honest with you, you know, I'd like to research the guests a little bit, just get an idea of where to take the conversation and you know what what's going to get you to tell a great story. Um, mm-hmm. If you would ask me, hey Ryan. When you're starting the new podcast, The Adventure Jogger, do you think you're going to have any stories of people making their own absinthe and having crazy dreams? I'd say, nah, that's probably not going to come up at all. But here we are, just a couple episodes in, it happened.
1: Yeah, it's hard because it's an oil. So you, I had to actually put the vodka in a sealed container and then apply heat to get it to infuse. But then, because alcohol evaporates, you have to have the container sealed. So you almost have to have like something you can't have a one-way valve. You have to have something that can expand a little bit. It's so like a canning mason jar, but yeah. you only have the vodka halfway full. You just have to check for when the top gets tight and then take it off the heat, let it cool a little, reheat it. Yeah, you can totally infuse it.
0: Did you ever see that great documentary on PBS? It was about moonshiners um, in Appalachia. It was probably Tennessee. It was a fella by the name of Popcorn Sutton was this, this older gentleman and he had this big beard and he was making this moonshine and they had to have subtitles because when he talked you just really couldn't understand what he was saying and he's drinking this like 100 proof shine right off the still and it's going into his beard you can see it dripping into his beard Lee and then he's smoking a cigarette and you see like ashes falling so close to his beard and you're like my god how has that not gone up in flames
1: yeah, yeah, because that can happen. Like stills can blow up. Mm-hmm. I know the principle. Like, I took organic chemistry, so I know how to do column distillation, but I've never tried at home. Like, I know in theory, but I also know that you can mess yourself up pretty good.
0: Lee Connor, she's the most interesting woman on the face of the planet. Yeah. <laughs> Lee. This could go on for like 10 hours. We could do like the if I ever want to break the Guinness World record for longest podcasts, you're gonna be the guest on that episode.
1: I can I can ramble it's, <laughs> it's alter for, all, all for everything.
0: No it's good though no it's it's honestly it's it's fantastic and this has been absolutely I mean incredible we covered all these bases of incredible races um what you can and can't use for for Lube outside of of running. Absolutely. also you, awesome. can,
1: you can it's just you have to be aware
0: okay all right
1: <laughs> although I think there's some stuff in both stri- tri-slide and skin-sick I wouldn't necessarily want to apply to internal parts
0: okay all right you heard it here yeah. first everybody Lee Connor Lee thank you so much for coming on the Adventure Jogger
1: yep anytime